is Australia. This fucking language. Let there be a thousand blossoms bloom as far as I'm concerned. But I ain't spending any time on it. Don't stop wearing the Speedos. You're listening to Decode, the Batuta Advocates podcast series for those Australians who have tuned out or never tuned in to the dark arts of federal politics. It's cold bean. You wouldn't believe it. A goddamn bloody adult. Hello and welcome back to Decode, the Batuta Advocates political podcast series where we have a look at what is going on in the world of politics. There always seems to be shit happening. Now, you would be familiar by now with the fact that we normally stick to the realm of federal politics. But over the last couple of days, weeks, months and years, there has been all sorts of shit going on down in the world's largest open air sewer, that is Sydney. New South Wales State Parliament has been the scene of all sorts of scandals, gaffes and resignations. We had a Premier Barry O'Farrell resign over just a little bottle of Grange. We had another Premier Gladys Berejiklian resign over a relationship with her dodgy ex. We've had Deputy Premiers resign. We have had leaders of the Nationals resign. All sorts of stuff been going on. And we do have a learned guest in the studio here to help us break it all down. But just for a quick recap on some of the more notable occurrences down in that open air sewer, for clarity's sake, so we're all on the same page. There's been a number of recent scandals enveloping the New South Wales Perite government. Most of them have been to do with the former leader of the Nats, John Barillaro. John resigned a year ago, which took a lot of people by surprise. It was just days after Gladys Berejiklian, the former Premier, resigned standing aside as a result of the ICAC investigation. There'd been plenty of other stuff going on, but John pulled the pin and went into the private sector. Now, a little while ago, it came out that Barillaro had been given a $500,000 a year trade commissioner role with the New South Wales government to go over there to New York and do whatever it is he would have done as part of this role. Understandably, a lot of questions were then asked about how this came about, given the role was created when John Barillaro was trade minister himself. Now, plenty of details have since emerged over the last few weeks, like allegations a preferred candidate had been offered the job before that offer was pulled and Barillaro received the job himself. Allegations have also emerged about who knew what in the government and who did what to help Barillaro land the job, and eventually a parliamentary inquiry was called. Stuart Ayres, the deputy leader, then resigned after being caught up in that scandal, and the new deputy leader, Matt Keane, as well as the Premier, Dominic Perrottet, are also facing questions about this whole thing. Obviously, a $500,000 a year job that was created while Barillaro was the trade minister, which he then received the job after leaving politics, raised a lot of questions about transparency, accountability, all that sort of stuff. So the parliamentary inquiry kicked off and Barillaro has found himself in the hot seat answering questions and also letting plenty go through to the keeper. So there's plenty to digest here. Obviously, we're up here in far western Queensland. We keep an eye on it and we are shocked at how much shit keeps happening down there. We ourselves have a long history with questionable state governments. You might think of the Fitzgerald Inquiry, which was a bit of a look into what was happening with our Premier, Sir Joe Biocchi peterson So we're keeping an eye on what's happening down in Sydney with intrigue and We've got an expert on the podcast today to help us decode and run through just what is going on 
down in state parliament, down on Macquarie Street in Sydney. She's a crack state political reporter. Angira Bharadwaj. Yes, that's correct. That is correct. Got it right. Thank you very much for joining the podcast. Thank you for having me. Now, there's all sorts going on, as I just mentioned there. Every single week, there seems to be stuff popping up. Someone's resigning. There's headlines about this. There's allegations about deals here, text messages. What are we looking at at the state of play? What is the state of play as we look at it right now on a Wednesday morning, 10th of August? So I think John Barillaro summed it up perfectly in calling it a shit show. It's been a series of problems for Premier Dominic Perrottet. We'll start with the biggest one, which has been this inquiry into John Barillaro's appointment as Trade Commissioner for New York. So now we've heard from him on Monday. Mm -hmm. He's expected to front the inquiry again on Friday, the same day that we'll also get a highly anticipated report into sexual misconduct, bullying, harassment in Parliament House. So I think let's recap a little bit about maybe the top moments from the yes. inquiry so far. Yep. So I'll go with John Barillaro first. If I knew what I know now, I wish I never had applied. If I knew what I knew now, I wouldn't have walked into what was a shit show. And I'm going to use those terms, I'm sorry yeah, to say, sure. because the trauma I've gone through over the last six, seven weeks has been significant. And I refute any suggestion that I sought out any special treatment during the public service job process. Because I would say his evidence has been the most explosive so far. The unluckiest man in politics. The yes. victim in all of this, according to John. That's certainly what he says. He says he's the victim, not the perpetrator. But yep. a few of the other people may disagree. So John's perception of things is... Firstly, he says that if he could go back in time, he would not have applied for this $500,000 a year job. That would see him in this plush office in New York City. He would just not do it because according to him, the process was not clean. It was all muddy and messy and he had no part in it. He also says that whatever happened behind the scenes was not to his knowledge Mm. and that if Shudez was bidding for him, it was without him knowing and without him asking. But the problem this week is that up until now, The government has been telling us this all happened at arm's length. We had nothing to do with it. This was a public service appointment. And he's come into the witness box and said, nope, the Premier said, go for it. Mm. Matt Keane texted me and said, that's fine, go ahead. And no one seemed to be raising an eyebrow with this appointment at all. So this week it's implicated all of the sort of senior ministers in Perrottet's government the Premier himself, Matt Keane, as well as Eleni Pedernos on a, on a different issue. Yep. But it's well and truly blown up now and it would be very interesting to see where this goes on Friday. Okay, and so we're, this is the Broderick report we might be hearing about on Friday. As well as Barilaro fronting the inquiry. Yes. okay, so it could again. be a huge day. So you mentioned a few characters there and I do want to touch on each of them because they all have yeah. little quirks and stories and interesting backgrounds there, the likes of Stuart Ayres, Pedernos, uh, Matt Keane, as well as the Premier himself, obviously. But this role that John Barilaro has landed himself in, lots of allegations that people have heard that, you know, that make them look at it and go, something has happened here, that whether it is legal or whatever has happened, there's something that just seems a bit off about this whole appointment. And it's a kind of a tricky one chronologically because of what's happened and when we find out what we know about what we know about the mm-hmm. appointment. But basically, it's as you said, this $500,000 trade role to New York, which was created by Barillaro as the trade minister. And just before he resigned, a couple of weeks mm-hmm. or a few weeks before he resigned, he then made it no longer a 
public service appointment, whereas a bureaucrat or somebody who's with knowledge of this actually appoints it. He made it a ministerial appointment? So there was the suggestion that he attempted to make it. Oh, that he attempted. Okay. That he or his office or the government attempted to make it a ministerial appointment, but then that was abandoned and that didn't happen and it reverted back to a public service appointment. And that's why they've stuck with this line that we had nothing to do with it. Mm -hmm. Although there was this attempt in the middle, we had nothing to do with this. This was a public service appointment and Amy Brown, who's the boss of Investment New South Wales, was making the decision on this. And then we had Jenny West. She was the preferred candidate for Mm -hmm. this role and was verbally told that she was going to be given the role, basically. There was a verbal offer made, was there? Yes, there was a verbal offer made as well as a text message from Amy Brown with the Statue of Liberty emoji and a congratulations emoji. She (laughs) seemed to think she had, you know, she started looking for colleges for her children. She started looking for accommodation. And then she was told on a walk with Amy Brown that things might not go her way. And then she was told that, no, sorry, you're not getting this job. And then she was let go. And then she was let go, yeah, from her (laughs) actual job as well, hey? Yes. Oh, God. Very rough there for Jenny. There was some allegations, I think it was from a staffer, that they alleged that Jenny couldn't be given that job because it was a present for somebody else. Or did Jenny West allege that? Amy Brown said that. Amy Brown said that. Allegedly to Jenny West. But then when Amy Brown's come up to give evidence, she said, I never said that, or I can't recall saying that. And it's not something that she would have said or used those terms. But Jenny West was really emphatic in saying that that's what she'd been told. Mm. The other problem has been that she was taking notes of a lot of these conversations, probably because I guess she got the vibe that something was not quite right. Right. And then Amy Brown has come in when she's given evidence and said that it left a bad taste in her mouth that she was taking these notes. But these notes have been a big part of the inquiry because she seems to have recollections of all of these conversations, Mm. which pointed to something not being not quite right. Yeah, right. So that was that particular process that she had to follow or was she saying that she basically just felt there was something going on here and she started taking it? It was not a process to be followed because Amy said that she was not expecting her to be engaging lawyers or to be taking notes. But Jenny West clearly felt that she should do that. And it's worked out well for her to have those notes, I would say. Right. And so Barilaro, as you said, he's facing the inquiry again in a couple of days' time. He, of course, has pulled out from this role. He says it's too much trouble, too much hassle. It's not worth it. As he said, a shit show and he's not interested. What could potentially come from this inquiry? What are some of the findings, do you know, that we could hear about in regards to would there be a referral for an ICAC investigation or what would we be looking at? So ICAC has already been referred some of the evidence from the inquiry. The chair, um, Kate Fairmain, has referred some of those findings to them. Mm -hmm. But we don't really know if ICAC is going to go ahead with it because they're very secretive about whether or not they choose to pursue something. People I've spoken to said that there's certainly reasonable grounds for them to be looking into this. But again, there's no confirmation here on whether they will pursue this or not because they keep it all. And they have secret. a fair bit going on as they well. Do they have a seem fair to be looking at on. a few other things as well. <laughs> I also just saw this morning that it's been revealed that John Barilaro, just before he quit, he met with Fair Trading Minister Eleni Patinos weeks before a building ban was lifted for the developer who he has been working for since he left parliament. Have you heard anything about this or what may happen in regards to that? So in terms of that situation, a lot of it is we don't know the exact, you know, Mm. what happened between those two and what the conversation was. But politics is so much about perception. And I think right now for the Premier, it's like the two big scandals colliding in this Mm. one story. So there's definitely more to watch in that space. Like I said, we don't know exactly the details of what was happening between them. But we do know that, again, a minister that has been dumped from the front bench is now connected to John Barilaro, who has been this other 
big problem mm. for the government. So it's not looking good. And so Patinos was sacked a couple of weeks ago, 10 days ago now maybe. As you said, she's becoming caught up in this as well. She wasn't sacked in regards to this. She was sacked in regards to allegations made by an anonymous staffer. Mm-hmm. So there were allegations of bullying made against her to DPC. There was one complaint that was made. And shortly after that, it was we had it in the paper. And the next day, the Premier says, he was on his trade mission, he says he's looked at some disciplinary action and it's all fine. And then shortly after that, she's sacked. He puts out this statement mm. saying he's asked for her to be moved to the backbench. And that definitely surprised a lot of people. One anonymous complaint and she's sacked. While a lot of allegations have been made around Stuart Ayres and his conduct here and he still was on this trade mission Mm. with the Premier. So a lot of people were surprised, but then he did come back and explain that the Secretary of the Customer Service Department, which was Eleni's department, had revelations or Mm. provided some more information that made him think that she should be sacked. Yeah, it certainly did appear interesting as the news broke about Eleni that just one anonymous complaint was enough to sink her when we had seen so many allegations uh, arise in regards to other members of parliament who may have been members of the opposite sex, perhaps. But anyway, we won't go into that. You just mentioned Stuart Ayres, who was the deputy leader. He has had to resign. Late last night, uh, Minister Stuart Ayres informed me that he would resign. That was in regards to the Barilaro stuff mostly. Yeah, so that was in regards to the Barilaro stuff. But what was interesting is, so when this all started breaking and there was pressure on the Premier to act, he called an inquiry, an internal investigation from the Department of Premier and Cabinet. It was led by Graham Head. Now, this review is not finalised yet, Mm -hmm. but the Premier stood up and said that there was some extract in it that seemed to indicate that Stuart Ayres may have influenced Amy Brown to hire John Barilaro. That's the the suggestion in it. But the head review didn't go so far as, like the scope of the review wasn't far enough to be able to flesh that out properly. So he's then said, he's gone to Stuart Ayres and he said, this is what Graham Head has told me is an extract from this review. It seems enough for me to think that you need to step away. And he He's then resigned. <laughs> now a second review has been called, a legal review, to fully flesh out what wrongdoing Stuart Ayres may have done. Oh, this is really good stuff. And it just, it's got so many layers and so many things going on. He was on the up, wasn't he, Stuart? Like he'd just been made the deputy leader. Not just, but he'd recently been made the deputy leader. He was looking, he was looking for the sky, you know, as premiers seem to roll through down in New Mm. South Wales. He had bigger things coming and now he's just, he's just gone over this. He also got a pretty good set of portfolios in the reshuffle. You know, he had sport, tourism, Western Sydney, trade. He was doing really well like you said but it's all come crumbling down goodness me another one goes down and another one connected to Barilaro that seems to have <laughs> gone down the man who has replaced him Matt Keane he's from Hornsby up there on Sydney's North Shore the leafy north he's the new deputy leader mm-hmm. he's quite a progressive guy he made a name for himself calling out uh, the previous Prime Minister Scott Morrison. Um, he's been quite keen to push New South Wales's clean energy initiatives. Generally, for a Liberal Party, seems to be quite progressive in what he wants to do, both socially and economically. I'm just wondering, we've seen a few people pop up and go down quickly. I know that there are text messages that surfaced between Matt Keane and Eleni a couple of years ago, I think it was. I have zero tolerance when it comes um, to inappropriate workplace behaviour. I made inquiries um, yesterday um, in relation um, to uh, the office um, of Miss Patinos um, and drew the 
due to conclusion uh, that um, her position was untenable. And ultimately, these are my calls. So I just want to know if there's any other potential skeletons in the closet that we can expect with him. And I also just want an opportunity to read out the text messages between Matt Keane <laughs> and Eleni. Now, this yeah, this was a couple of years ago. They were both a lot less high profile. I remember reading it and it was more just like a, a notable giggle from these random state politicians at the time. Now, Matt Keane at the time, he'd two years into a relationship with Malcolm Turnbull's staffer, his girlfriend. They were quite deep in the relationship. And then she posted screenshots of the text messages between <laughs> Matt Keane and Eleni, which took place shortly after Christmas. And I will just say one of my worst fears is somebody reading out my text messages <laughs> that I share with, you know, friends or partners or whatever. But unfortunately, that's just the way politics is. Now, in text messages, Eleni said to Matt Keane, miss me, huh? And he responded, yep, really need to fuck you. Miss <laughs> <laughs> Pedernos says he has CK for that and tells him that it's that time of the month. He responds, okay, come up later, X. And then the next day she texts Mr. Keen and said, just got your Christmas card. You're absolutely gorgeous. Love you. Just wondering, are there any other kind of skeletons or things you may have heard or things that could potentially pop up for Matt Keane, who's just made himself the new deputy leader over the next little while? Well, as one liberal source put to me this week, there are skeletons in everybody's closet yep. and they should be preparing for them to come out with an election not far away. Yeah, People yeah. Definitely because that is the other thing, isn't it? We're eight months away or something like that? Yeah, not far. March 2023 will be the election. So yep. this is not a good time for all of this to be going down and... Given the way the inquiry is shaping, it, it doesn't seem like it's going to be ending anytime soon. Yep. But in terms of skeletons, you'll have to wait and watch. Mm. But I can say there were a few questions raised around Matt Keane, mainly because he has been quite vocal in his criticism, like you said, of the former prime yep. minister. And, you know, he was asked about it at a press conference when he was announced as a deputy leader, are you going to change tack now mm. because you're in this role which is a, a bit more of a leadership role and Dominic Perrottet has said he wants unity in the party and he did say he will continue to fight for the people of New South Wales. So I'm not sure if he's quite ready to give up his fiery personality yep. just yet, but yep. that may not be a bad thing. Yep. Okay. Oh, yeah. It'll be interesting to see. I'm sure, as you said, I'm sure the dirt files are coming out with a, an election coming up and it'll be interesting to see what comes out over the next little bit. Now, while all this has been happening, Dominic Perrottet has been making a lot of headlines. Look, it was a passing conversation. Uh, I was not aware of the problems that have come through in relation to the process. People are entitled to apply for jobs. Um, the process has clearly been uh, problematic. I think if everyone knew what they knew now about the process. I mean, the, the, the whole situation has been incredibly disappointing uh, for everybody who has been involved. There's no doubt um, about that. We have been noticing that post-lockdown, there have seemed to be a lot of headlines made by Perrottet in regards to stadiums, uh, climate change, flood relief, all that sort of stuff. What has been the general feeling with him in regards to all of these scandals? Is there leadership pressure beginning to mount or what are we what are we working with? There were certainly some whispers of that, but Matt Keane yesterday completely categorically ruled that out. He said he was not going mm. to um, contest for leaderships and that he wanted to support Dom in going to the next election. I do think that they did gain a lot of ground with a budget that was, like you said, focused on a lot of progressive issues, a lot of issues around getting mm. women back into the workforce, childcare. It was something that everybody in, in government was telling me they were really proud to have worked on. However, some of that momentum 
died because yep. of everything that's unfolded. Now, for a large part of that, the Premier was able to avoid scrutiny. But now with, with the revelations, with John Barillaro saying Dom told him to go for it, he seems to be implicated a little bit more. He did go ahead and say that that was just a passing comment and he would encourage anyone to apply. And he mm. did say... Now that he's seen everything and if he had his time again, he would have told him not to go for the job. Retrospect is a beautiful thing. Yeah, very interesting (laughs) from these politicians, isn't it? Now that there has been public scrutiny and there has been some calls for transparency, like they're saying they wish they hadn't bothered. Because, I mean, I guess it's not fair enough, but you can understand that in the past there has been a huge jobs for the boys' culture and there clearly still is a jobs for the boys' culture. And that has just been the case and been passed and gone through as if it is normal and now there is starting to be more calls for accountability and transparency in regards to all these sorts of things. Just to summarise where we're all at at the end of this, we've got Barilaro who's saying he's done absolutely nothing wrong. He wishes he didn't even apply for this job in the first place, but there's allegations that he met with Fair Trading Minister Eleni weeks before a building ban was lifted, the developer who he now works for. He tried to make the trade role that he was given, a ministerial appointment before Mm -hmm. that failed, before the preferred candidate for his job was awarded the job and then had the job taken away and then given to him. So that's the different stuff that's going on there. And we're going to hear more about this on Friday. So, And we've had a number of sackings and resignations across cabinet for the New South Wales Liberals and Nationals. And that's kind of where it all stands heading into what you're expecting to be a pretty explosive day on Friday. Yeah, I mean, it's been the first sitting week back after a six-week winter break and it's been pretty fiery so far. So I don't expect that to calm down by Friday at all. If anything, we'll probably see the climax of all of this on Friday. Um, But in terms of Barilaro, I think... The thing is also that so many of these things are technicalities. So yep. it's like his office contacted Amy Brown's office to inquire about this being cha- turned into a ministerial position and the job was created while he was in government and little things like that, which mm. I think are the basis of a lot of the pushback that the government is saying or John Barilaro is saying. But ultimately, like I said before, a lot of these things are about perception. So mm. whether or not this was intentional or accidental or whether it was a completely clear process, which even the Premier says it was not at this point, at the end of the day, this does look a lot like jobs for the boys. Mm. And whether or not that was the case, they're going to have to fight pretty hard to make sure they can get rid of that perception yeah. in the time of the election, especially with Eleni gone. Gabrielle Upton, who is another female member of government, she resigned as well. They have not that many women around, so it's not looking good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got a, a group of young Well, a group of politically young men who look like they're not too far out of Sydney University (laughs) who are now kind of in charge and, you know, as you said, facing that perception of jobs for the boys. And and I think that's also worth noting, isn't it? There's the whole ICAC side of things and the investigation side of things, which who knows what will come from that based upon all those technicalities. And, you know, there's Mm. a lot of do not recalls from a lot of people in regards to that. But then there is the whole public perception and the fact that they are going to an election soon and how they are going to deal with the consequences of what has happened over the last couple of years. So certainly makes for an interesting few months ahead. I'll make sure we got the TV on on um, Friday in the newsroom with the volume up. We'll be keeping an eye out, Angira, to see what you've got for us off the back of what could be an explosive Friday. But thank you very much for taking the time to explain to us everything that is going on down in Sydney. My goodness, it is um, a sad state of affairs down there. No problem. Thanks so much. Thanks, Angira. Bye.